The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. We're carrying on this morning with our series, and this is uh, all about God at work. Did you realize that God is still at work? Well, I'm very glad. Hallelujah. Now, I wanted to hear a whole resounding, yes, we know that God is at work, you see. God has done a great work in creation. He spent those six days making the universe, establishing the planets, doing all of those things. On the seventh day, he rested. He had a bit of a sit down. He rested, but he is still at work because he's upholding everything that he has made from moment to moment. God has done a work of salvation through his son, Jesus, on the cross, just as Jesus, or just before Jesus died, he declared to everybody, it is finished, it's finished, and then he bowed his head and died. That was the work of salvation that Jesus did for us, but that work of salvation goes on and goes on as God is introducing himself and revealing himself to many people every day and seeking to draw new people into his kingdom. God is at work in our own lives, moment by moment, day by day. It's just that there are those times in our lives, and we all face them from different times. Some might have had that sort of situation this week, where you go through a difficulty, a trauma, something comes against you, and suddenly you think like, where's God? Has he gone on holiday? Does he care for me? God works through every circumstance because he sees the end picture And he's working to take us right the way through to the end. And sometimes we have to go through some valleys on the way there. But God is still at work because he's working on our lives to fulfill in us the purpose that he had created us for. He is still at work. And God is still at work even right now, working on his plans to send his son Jesus to come and take us to be where he is. All of that work is going on. And so sometimes we can think, is God at work? And yet God is at work. And so we have seen over these few weeks when we've been looking at this title, God is at work in many and different ways. He's at work all around us through our circumstances, through the things that affect us from moment to moment, from day to day. But he's also at work right inside our lives, right inside your life. Even as we're sitting here today, God is at work. And today we're looking at this. This is the title, if you like, God at work changing you. And not just you, God at work changing me. But he is at work now and he is changing us. First of all, I want to start on this particular subject. God loves you. God loves you. Everyone in this room as an individual, including myself, God loves you. I want to declare it to you. I want to announce it loudly to you this morning to remind you 
Because even now, in your mind, you're thinking of the other people, the one who is more valuable than you, the one who has done better things than you, because you've just remembered that actually, you know what, I didn't do that, or I did do something that I shouldn't have done, and those things can come against us, but I want to say to you, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you passionately. He loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life. You are not an accident. You're not somebody who's been overlooked. Oh, you're a mistake. Sorry, we shouldn't have come upon the earth. No, no, no. You were pre-planned and designed because God had you in his mind even before the foundation of the world. We have to get our minds set into this. It doesn't always come easy to us because we don't always think very much highly of ourselves. I know it's that sense in the Bible, it says, don't think too highly of yourself, but your attitude should be the same as Jesus Christ. But I'm not talking about puffing ourselves up with pride. I'm talking about the fact of knowing who you are. You're loved by God. The one who has created the heavens and the earth, the one who has made the seasons, the one who oversees the weather, the one who is in charge of all things, he loves you. He is for you. He thinks you are great. He loves what you are all about. He is for you. In Zechariah 2 verse 8, it says this, He who touches you touches the apple of his eye. You see, because you're that important. You're the apple of God's eye. He's thinking about you and he is concerned for you. What, me? Yes, you. He's concerned for you because you are special to him. God has you in his sights. God has you on his mind. And you know what? When you think about it, oh yeah, but think of all those other millions. All those billions of people around the world. All of those, some of whom you think like, well gosh, he needs to think of those. He is thinking of them. But he is also thinking of you. Because you are special to him. And I keep repeating it because you know what? It has to go through the layers of our minds to permeate into us so that we actually start to think, wow, is that, is that true? It is true. He loves you. God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. In Romans 5 verse 8 it says, but God demonstrates, God shows his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And having been saved, having come into a relationship, having received that understanding that God is for us and that he loves us and we come into a relationship with us, not only does God show he loved us because he saved us, he continues to show that he loves us because he makes us part of his family. John 1 verses 12 and 13. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You are a child of God. You have been brought in to his family. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. Those who are with us, they're brothers and sisters. They're all of the same family, and God is our Father. He is watching over us and he is helping us. And you know, it's really important for us as Christians to understand these things. And not just to understand them as in like, oh yes, but to receive these things that we might know the truth of this in our lives. 
And this understanding is something that God is seeking to help us with. He is at work in us, helping us with our own feelings, with our own emotions. Because we have a tendency to focus on our emotions, a tendency to focus on our feelings, a tendency to focus on how circumstances are around us, a tendency to remember, actually, why did I do that? A tendency to feel down when we have sinned. So much so that we get distracted, we get confused, we take ourselves away from the fact that God loves us, he is for us, and he is our help, and he is our strength, he is our father circumstances and feelings cause us to move away. But God wants us to know for certain what we are as Christians. The Bible teaches that being born again, being a Christian, somebody who's come into relationship with Jesus, the Bible teaches this. It says, we're looking at it from myself, I am a new creation. I am a new creation. I am a child of God. I am part of the true vine I am a channel of the life of Jesus Christ. I have been chosen by God and appointed by him to bear fruit for his kingdom. I am a son of God, so that means that spiritually God is my father. I am a joint heir with Jesus, which means I can share in his inheritance. My body is a temple, a dwelling place of God. His spirit and his life do live in me. I am a member of the body of Christ. I am God's handiwork made to accomplish the tasks that he has prepared for me to do. I am a citizen of heaven. I am a friend of God. I am chosen by God, made holy, and I am dearly loved by him. My life is hidden with Christ in God. I am an alien and stranger in this world, as it is only a temporary home for me. I am a member of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who belong to God, and so are you. This is who we are. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you don't know what happened to me last week. You see how circumstances and feelings tend to press in upon our minds when we need to declare the truth to our own souls. We forget, you see, oh, the gas bill, that needs paying. The car needs servicing. Christmas is coming. My children are being difficult. We've got family issues. I've fallen out with my brother or my sister. I've fallen out with my husband. These pressures are growing up on me. I get distracted. I forget. I haven't even got time to think who I am. I'm dealing with all of this. And we find that the things that God wants us to know get pushed out of our hearts and our minds. And we need to remind ourselves exactly who we are and who we were born to be. To walk in the fullness of that. Because you see this, because my life is in Jesus Christ, because your lives are in Jesus Christ if you are a believer, then we can say this, I am justified, completely forgiven and made righteous. I died with Christ and died to the power of sin's rule over my life. I am free from condemnation. I have been bought with a price. I am not my own. I belong to God. I have been redeemed and forgiven of my sins. The debt against me has been cancelled. I have been given the mind of Christ. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I have been raised up with Jesus and seated with him in heavenly places. I have been taken out 
out of the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God. I have been given a spirit of love, power, and self-discipline. I have been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him. I have been made alive together with Christ. I have the right to come boldly before the throne of God to find mercy and grace to help me in my time of need. This is truth. This is truth. I'm not just trying to bombard you this morning. I'm trying to declare over you who you really are. And yet we think, is that true of me? Can that be true of me? If you have put your trust in Jesus, all of those things are true of you. All of them are true of you. Jesus came to rescue you from darkness and to bring you into the kingdom of his son. He came to make an enormous change. He came to break the powers of sin and death that were against you to bring you into a new life. Romans 6 verse 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death. And if we just stop there, it's not good news. And that's where we keep stopping. The wages of sin. I, do you know what? When I do wrong, I feel wrong. I know I've done wrong. I feel bad. I feel bad about myself. I feel bad about what I've done. The wages of sin, the results of sin, the results of sin is death. It's a feeling of what's the point? Where am I going? But you see, the scripture doesn't stop there. It tells us the truth. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a free gift. You notice that. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can pay for it. You need to receive it. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus Christ. 1 John 5 verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. What we need is life. It makes all the difference. Life from God. And he has come to give those that put their faith in him life. And that's not just something for the future. Oh, when I die, I'm going to get eternal life. You are living in eternal life as soon as you receive Jesus. Because he comes to bring the transformation to your soul. To break the former powers that were ruling you. And to make you alive in him so that you can fulfill his purposes. Eternal life starts the moment that you receive Jesus. And therefore you receive Jesus, you are walking in eternal life, and there is a time when you are going to walk off this earth into the fullness of being in his presence, which is eternal life. That is what we are looking for. Now understanding all of these things helps us to truly be the fruit bearers that we were appointed to be. However, Satan is an accuser. We read of him in Revelation, the accuser of the brethren. What is somebody who accuses? There's somebody who raises accusations. Are you sure? Hey, I've seen what you've been doing. 
I remember that. Hey, what you did in secret, I still saw it. He's an accuser. Hey, God, do you know what they're really like? I've seen what they're doing. And he accuses us. Every time we sin, he wants us to remember it. Every time we sin, we want to feel, he wants us to feel the guilt of it, the rottenness of it. Yet you know what? As Christians, really, it's not that we don't sin. It's that we need to come to a different perspective as ourselves. As Christians, we are saved people. Or even as the Bible puts it, we are saints. Saints. Saints who sin. Not sinners who sin. There is a difference. But the accuser of the brethren wants us to keep going back to as we were formerly. Hey, you haven't changed. You see, you're still doing the same things you did before you received Jesus. You're no good. If you were good, you wouldn't be doing that. And you know what? You feel those things. Yeah, you know what? You're right. He is an accuser of the brethren. And we feel it. Hey, there are times when I feel as though I'm getting ahead. I'm, I'm walking with Jesus. I've read my Bible. I'm advancing. And then suddenly I do something that's wrong. And no, you know, you're right. I'm just as I always was. And we keep getting knocked back because we forget who we are. I am a child of the Most High God. The creator of heaven and earth has put his hand upon me and has chosen me for his kingdom and has chosen you. And there is something about that that needs us to rise up on the inside so that we understand who we are and who we can become. God is working in you. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, it says this, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. God is working in us because we are being transformed. Oh, I felt like I was transformed once. But it's not like that now. No, we are being transformed. It's an ongoing process that is happening in us. We're being awakened. We're being filled with his life. We're being changed. We need to take on board what Paul declared to the Philippians. Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this, he said to them, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Jesus isn't in the business, as sometimes you see, when you go on holiday to some countries, you see them where they've started properties because they have got so much money. I've got enough to do the first floor. So they build the first floor. And then they go and work and work and work until they can save up more money so they can do the first floor with windows. And then they do the second floor. And then the second floor with windows. And eventually they get a route. But you see this and you say, like, what's all this half, half stuff? It's no good. Jesus isn't just building you into a half building. He is building you so that you may be carried on to completion. When do people get saved? When do people get saved? I'm not looking for a theological debate here, okay, and all that sort of stuff. The truth is, oh, when they received Jesus, yes. And you know when Paul and Silas were in the Philippian jail, and there was the, the, the thunder and the lightning, and the jailer thought everybody had escaped, and he's about to kill himself. And then he says, well, how can I be saved? And they said, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. 
is believing, trusting in what Jesus did on the cross for, is that moment of salvation. Oh yeah, but does it look like they're saved? I mean, have their lives been completely transformed? There are some people who have a day, they have an hour, they have a moment, a Damascus Road situation, just like Paul had, when there was a light that shone and wow, Jesus came into my life. They know the moment. There are others which say, well, I prayed a prayer. Well, when? Well, I'm not quite sure because I actually prayed that prayer five times, six times, seven times. I went to church, I felt guilty one day and I prayed, Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life. And when do they get saved? What about the turning? When we went out on the streets with the turning, we were going through a sheet of paper. We were asking some questions of people. Would you like to receive Jesus? Yes, you'd like to receive Jesus. They'd pray this prayer with me. We have, are they saved? I mean, I'd rang mine and tried to follow them up. They didn't even answer the phone. Are they saved? Look, this is realistic questions, which we have in our minds. When is somebody saved? Salvation belongs to God. Salvation belongs to him. And he knows when people are saved. You know, there's been a problem in the church, and not just this church. I'm talking about for centuries. The issue of when should we baptize somebody? When we know they're Christians. When we know they're saved. So we want to see transformation in their lives. And it got to the point where the early church was no longer holding baptisms because they wanted to test people out. So there was a long testing process. And it came to the point that they only baptized people on Easter Sunday. And the rest of the year, they were checking them out, testing them out. And we do that as well. Jesus comes to people when they call upon his name. And Jesus looks at this. He doesn't just look at the moment. He looks at where he's taking that person to. He knows the number of days that have been ordained for you, the number of time that you're going to spend on this earth, and therefore he knows how long he's got to work on you. And he does work on you. You know, you look at your own lives. Do you see patterns of God working and then seeing, hey, where is he? What's going on? Those times, sometimes are like God's testing. Hey, I've done some work. Now let's see how they're getting on with that. He's testing. He's provoking. He's finding. He's deepening the work that he's done that he then may take you further. He has started a good work in you, and he who has started a good work in you is going to carry it on to completion, ready for the day that Jesus Christ comes. Because God is for you, and he is not against you. He is the lover of your soul, and he is the lifter of your head. He does know your circumstances. You are not forgotten to him because he knows exactly what's going on because he knows your end destiny because he is the one who has created you from before the foundation of the world he had you in mind and he designed that you would be here at such a time as this to fulfill his purposes upon the earth the question is do you know who you are that is the question not just I'm a Christian I'm more than a Christian I am a son of the living God the most powerful Spirit in the whole universe is my Father, and He's watching out for me. He's caring for me. That is who I am. But Paul, having been writing to the Philippians and encouraging them with these things, he also wrote something else to the Galatian church, which just interested me. He wrote this, Galatians 5, verses 7. And he says to them, in effect, look, you guys, you've been doing this. You've been walking in these ways. You've been walking in salvation. But then he says in five, uh, Galatians 5 verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? In other words, you were going for it. 
You got saved. You walked into the newness of life that God had for you. But then suddenly it seems like, whoa, what's happened? And we've seen those things, haven't we, on the Olympics or various of those sort of programs where they're running the race and they're on the track, especially in the marathon or the long distance where they all start off in a line and then they have to bunch in and they come together and then they're shuffling around. Who's going to get to the front? Do they get boxed in? Those phrases. You understand from that type of picture that who is it who cut in on you? I was trying to get out. I was trying to run to the front. I am the fast. I want to make all the way to the end. Who cut in on me? even sometimes causing you to trip up. Who cut in on you? And it's that type of picture that Paul is bringing to the Christians and saying, guys, you were doing so well. You were starting to walk in my truth. What happened to you? What happened to cut you up on you? What happened to throw you off course? What are you doing going back to your old ways? What are you doing going back to your old manner of thinking? What are you doing going back to that place of thinking like, you know what, I don't know whether this is really worth it. I don't know whether this God lark is really going on for me. I've had problems. You don't understand the problems that I've had, but they're coming against me. My friend is saying this. This is happening to me. I've got no money again. This is all going wrong. I'm no good. I've been sinning. I don't feel right about myself. You have forgotten who you are. Just imagine if you picked up the Daily Mail tomorrow. I use that paper because that paper always tells the truth. That's obviously a joke, okay, just in case. You pick up the paper tomorrow morning and you have on there a picture of the Queen. But you see the Queen scrabbling and the picture is of her scrabbling around the back of dustbins looking for something to eat. We'd all be horrified. We'd be, what on earth are you doing? Hey, queen, what are you playing at? Scrabbling around the back of dustbins, trying to hunt for something. Don't you know who you are? That would come to our minds. And we'd say to her, have you forgotten you are the queen of England? Have you forgotten who you are? The sovereign of the United Kingdom? Have you forgotten that you are the head of the Commonwealth? Have you forgotten that you are the defender of your faith? Your Majesty, what are you playing at? I want to put that picture in our minds because it's that absurd. We are children of the living God. We need to declare before him, I am a child of God. That is who I am. I know I have this raft of stuff that's coming against me, but he has chosen me for purpose, and therefore I am going to keep on declaring to myself who I am. Because just like the queen, of course it's absurd. You wouldn't see the queen scrabbling around the back of some restaurant looking for a scrap to eat Unfortunately, like some people have to do. We would never expect that. Why? Because the queen is the sovereign of this nation. She has servants looking after her. She has people who are watching out for her. She herself has to walk in a position. And we expect it of her because of her position. Hello? You are a child of the Most High God. And it's time for you to keep on declaring that to yourself until you have taken it into your spirit and you, you really believe it. I know who I am. Why should Satan keep tempting me to walk down that way? That is not the way 
that a child of God should live. I'm learning away from that. I'm turning away from that. I'm walking in the newness of life that God has for me. You are most dearly loved children of the Most High God, chosen and set apart for His purposes. Don't let anybody cut in on you. Don't let the accuser of the brethren take hold of you. I want to give you a quick example. This example this morning, this glass represents our hearts. There is, as it were, a limited capacity to our hearts. And you know what? In life, stuff can come and it can start to come into our hearts and to fill our hearts up. And so like we have a heart, but our hearts become cluttered with all sorts of stuff believing all sorts of things, thinking of ourselves that we're not particularly good, thinking of ourselves where we appreciate that God loves us and that he has done some good things for us, but so much other stuff comes into our lives. Yes, it's true to say that from time to time we do hear the word of God and we recognize, you know what, God does say that he loves me. And some things get dealt with. And we do begin to believe and we start to declare, I am a child of the living God. And some stuff starts to get dealt with. But at the same time, we want to have a life that when God fills us with his Holy Spirit, we can get completely filled. And you know, because obviously most of you are scientists and mathematicians, and you don't really need me to go through this because you know what's going to happen. But when God, by his Spirit, look how much water it takes to fill this heart of mine, the Holy Spirit, it doesn't seem to take too much. Why? Because there's so many other things in my heart. This is going to get very technically difficult. But we know, and I'm just going to let your minds think now, that if we take all of that rubbish out, how much more space there is for God to fill. The enemy has one desire. He wants to keep you full of rubbish. He wants to keep you full of of clutter, because he wants the least amount of God to fill your heart. But you are a child of the living God. And that rubbish has no right to have any authority over your life and to control your life. You know what David, King David, he cried out to God, I think for a situation like this, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 4. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Because you see, Lord, when you see my heart, I see stuff coming into me and filling me up and taking over what belongs to you. My heart is yours. I gave you my life when I said, I want you to come in and fill me. And I want you to fill me. I want you to fill me right up to the top. I want to have all the rubbish removed so that I can worship you wholeheartedly, that I can give you all of myself, and that you, O oh Lord, can come and touch my life. And so he's saying, search me, know me, test me. Are there anxious thoughts in me? See if there is any offensive way in me, he says. And lead me in the way everlasting. Get this rubbish out of me. That is what David is saying. Clutter can come so easily to our lives. 1 John 2 verses 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, 
the love of the Father is not in him. We get caught up in the world and the system of the world and the love of the things of the world and stuff that actually could help us. But we need to know who we are in Jesus Christ. We need to know that we have been chosen. We need to know that we are children of God. We need to know that we have been redeemed. We need to know that he is for us. We need to keep filling our minds with who we are so that we can overcome in his name. You know what? People who know who they are in God are able to do great exploits. This man, David, who asked for his heart to be cleaned out, he's that young boy who went to the, to the field, to the battlefield where there was Goliath. You know what? Are you saying that nobody else there knew God? No, other people knew God. But what was different about this man who knew who he was in God? He declared who is this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine who defies, who dares to defy the armies of the living God? In other words, I know who I am and I know who's behind us. So who is this wimp who's standing in our way? You see what happens? I'm not just saying that as we get hold of who God is, I'm not saying that we become arrogant, but we become who we're supposed to be. We're getting rubbish out and we're filling ourselves with who God wants us to be. You say that God isn't at work. God is at work. He's in, at work in your life right now. Because he's saying to you, hey, come on, you're a child of mine. Let go of those things. Let go of that stuff that's been tripping you up. That's not to do with my kingdom. You need to understand how precious you are because I love you and I've loved you for, for the foundation of the world and I'm never going to stop loving you and I love you even though I see what you do but you see I came to rescue you for purpose I came to make you a saint I came to make you like my son and every day I'm going to be trying to change you into his likeness so that you can be the light that I have called you to be in this world God is raising you up. Every one of you is being raised up. There are other people in the Bible, and we could stop. I guess I haven't got time to talk to them all. But you even think of Moses. Moses, he had a destiny, and he tried to work out his destiny, and it came to failure. He was brought up in the palace. He was brought up with all of the good things around him, but he wanted to see freedom for his people. He wanted to see them released. But it all ended in failure. Or did it? Because you see, it took a long while for him to really understand who he was. But when he understood that he wasn't a prince of Egypt, but that he was the man that God called him to be, then he could be the deliverer of Israel. But it's when you understand who you are, you can really stand firm and grow and throw off the rubbish and become the people who God has called you to be. I want you to stand up. I also want us to lift up our hands. I want us to declare out aloud, I am a child of God. Repeat after me. I am a child of God. Now, if you're a man, 
I want you to say, I am a son of God. If you're a woman, I want you to say, I am a daughter of God. Ready? I am a son of God. Every day, you need to be declaring this to yourself over and over again. So that in your mind, you begin to understand who you are. Who you are. Not what you're trying to be. You have been saved. You are this. You have come into this position. It's time for us to live out what has already happened inside. I am a son of the living God and he has come to help me. Father, as we raise our hands before you, flood this place with your mercy. Come by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, there's rubbish there lurking in hearts. There's rubbish in my heart. Father, will you come and will you search me? Will you try me? Will you test me? Will you show me, Lord, the ways in my life that are unhelpful, that are useless, that are going nowhere, that are tripping me up? Will you show me? Will you show us, Lord, so that that rubbish can be brought out? Because we want our hearts filled with you. We want you, Lord. We want you, Lord. We want to walk in the fullness of who we are. We do not want the accuser to accuse any longer. We want to shut down his voice in Jesus' name. That you, Lord, can raise us up so that we can be the people that you have called us to be. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.